Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Recruit. This is um, this is Ryan once again coming to you from Western Kentucky. Um, I'll tell you before we get rolling tonight. I got to tell you it as I am recording this. I'm about three weeks short of starting school, um, and I don't know, you know, all those people out there where you are, what things are like right now. But where I'm at, positivity rates and COVID numbers are starting to go back up substantially. Um, primarily because a lot of people around here um, did not get vaccinated. And so I'm really worried about what uh, school is going to look like in a couple months. So um, I just had to get that out there because I'm sure some of you out there are feeling a little nervous about that as well. Um, However, I am super, super excited to get my friend um, on here tonight. And, And I think you're really going to be interested in his story of how he came from um you know because his his undergrad was not an ed and so i'm really excited to hear how he got into teaching um but my man is frederick crawford and he is coming to us from washington dc um he was born in charleston south carolina but raised in south florida He went to Ohio State University, where he got his bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. Uh, So this dude is really smart. And then he also got his master's in the same thing at New Mexico State University, where he graduated summa cum laude. Um, And now he is a math teacher at Drew Freeman Middle School in Prince George's County, which he told me is in Washington, D.C. So without further ado, Mr. Frederick... Welcome to the show. Yeah, my apologies for the interrupting. Uh, Prince, Prince George's County is directly north and east of Maryland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, north and east of Washington, D.C., which is in Maryland. Right, right. All right. I have never had the honor of getting to Washington, D.C. It's on my bucket list. Never been there. Um, but I hear it's really cool. So it's got to be really cool living around there. Oh, yeah, no, it's a very, very beautiful city. And it's funny because today I decided to connect with one of my friends and we decided to be tourists. Oh, cool. So like we, did you ride the bus and all that. So we rode the bus. We rode X more so I rode the bus. But <laughs> then together we rode the metro. We decided to go over to the National American History Museum. Cool. Very beautiful museum had such a great time just walking around and just seeing all these different artifacts and you see how our country has developed over time yeah very cool very very cool so frederick um like you told me you have listened to the podcast so you know the very first thing we uh always try to model for our listeners out there is just that whole uh connections before content philosophy that you got to know somebody first uh, before you can uh, teach them anything. And so tonight I'm excited. I've got two questions for you. I know you've got two for me. And then uh, after we're done with that, we will roll into the idea. Does that sound good? Let's go. 
All right. So I got to know what is your favorite childhood memory? I would say growing up in my childhood, it was a bit turbulent. I had a very turbulent childhood because I came from a childhood where you had one parent going through one struggle and another parent going through another struggle. So there was definitely a lot of turbulence. And then too, with me being so much into academics, I didn't get much support. If anything, I've gotten more so anti-support. Sure, sure. So my childhood, I would describe it as more so traumatic, but there was times where my mom and even my aunties and uncles, we would go to church around December, have a special convention, and just having all the kids hanging around and playing and stuff like that and getting to see people from different parts of the country. Those were pretty fun times. Those were very fun times. And then, too, I wanted to add to that, I've had more better times in school than I did in the home. Like, school mm-hmm. was definitely a safe haven for me. All right. So you can absolutely um, identify with some of your students, I would say. Yes. Yeah. And I can just tell, man, from our conversation that you're one of those teachers that uh, a lot of those kids kind of flock towards. Yes. Which is a good thing, which is something I love. Um, I would say my favorite childhood memory, um, growing up, we would go to Texas pretty much every summer. My family had a like a ranch out in West Texas, and we'd go um, stay out there for a week. So that was always a lot of fun, um, except for the time my dad, because we always drove, and it was two days to get there. And oh, yeah. at the time at the, this one memory, my dad had a 1994 Ford Ranger and he had the camper shell on the back. And instead of letting us sit in the cab with him and mom, we had to sit in the back and it's like August hundred degrees. I remember stripping down to my underwear and ride, riding to Texas, like the whole way in my underwear. Cause it was so hot. <laughs> yeah. I was more so worried about the bugs. So <laughs> yeah. That's flying while you driving. It wasn't that bad. It was just really, really hot. Um, Frederick, my next question for you. Um, We always like to think ahead. And so I'm really, I'd like to know where you see yourself in 20 years. Wow. It's like you do the perfect question to ask me. (laughs) And it's funny because with me, education is definitely not something where this field is not something where I want to be in in the rest of my life. It is definitely not. So okay. within a few years, I want to start my PhD program. Okay. I want to start getting a PhD in mathematics. Like education has been a guide and it gave me some rest so I could figure out what I truly wanted. Yeah. You yeah. know? So that's just that's just where the, where that was. So in, and, and yeah, getting a PhD in mathematics, especially with a focus on computer programming. Oh wow. And it's possible that I can go into being a college professor or I could take some time to work for 
our country's government before yeah. becoming a college professor. Notice how at the end I see myself being a college professor. I wouldn't mind being a 60-year-old college professor. Oh, yeah. So are you going to be with those guys that wears the cool sweaters? Um, No, it's funny because I can see myself donning a three-piece suit being like the Steve Harvey. There you go. Okay. But the only difference is I will have hair. There we go. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Because, yeah, the people that are listening, you can't see this, but uh, Frederick is not lacking in the hair department up top. Not no, like me. I would definitely have more hair than what I have right now in my 30s. <laughs> All right, my man, what questions do you have for me? So I know we were talking earlier and you was like, I was a bartender. Right. Tender. So what made you decide to leave the nightlife of bartending where you can practically do what you want to the restrictions that come with being a teacher? Well, I'll tell you, um, she just turned 18. Um, okay. Yeah. So I've told this story before. Um, I kind of, it's funny because um, I always have kids in my, in my office. Um, I kind of, I kind of in, in a safe space for a lot of my students to come and just talk. And so I always, I think it's very important to be vulnerable with your kids and tell them, you know, your life story to a certain degree. And so I was telling my, this, this kid that, um, you know, becoming a parent earlier than normal is not necessarily going to end your life. Um, I told her, you know, I was 22 when I found out I was going to be a dad and it ended up being the absolute best thing that ever happened to me, uh, because it forced me to realize that I was not the most important person in the world. Um, and up until that point, that's kind of how I had lived. And so when my oldest came around, um, literally I shaved my head cause I had long hair. Um, I had my labray pierced at the time I took my labray piercing out, um, and I mean, it wasn't like overnight. I didn't grow up overnight, but yeah, it definitely. So yeah, I bartended until I finished college. I graduated college when I was 27. Um, and while I was bartending, mostly every summer, I cleaned pools during the day and bartended at night. And then I had a couple other odd jobs. So yeah, bartending was like my way out of the life that I was living. You mean teaching what's your way out? Well, bartending was how I got through college. Okay. Um, and actually, I bartended for the first year. Maybe it was like first six months of teaching. Just because, shoot, bartending money, teaching money, that's a, quite a big difference. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's me. That's how I got out. Yes. And now my second question, what made you want it to be an administrator where you have to work more with the big wigs who made the decision and you're like sitting there like you just don't <laughs> understand yeah, what no. goes on in buildings. Yeah. And, or sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, you haven't been in the classroom for like 10 years, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know well, you gotta sit down and even thinking that. No, so, but no. what made you want to be in that position? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was very much anti-authority. Um, 
as a kid and he probably until my late twenties or whatever, but, uh, no, honestly, um, I wanted to become an administrator, Frederick, because I wanted to be able to do the crazy things that I had been doing in my classroom and my crazy beliefs in my classroom and how you motivate kids and relationships and some of the things that, that I was pretty successful in. Um, I wanted to take on the bigger stage and see if we could do the, the same things in a, in a, in a whole school. So, um, selfishly, I wanted to change the world of more kids than just my classroom. Okay. Yeah. And that is true that administrators, they do influence a larger group of kids. Yeah, they do. We can. Absolutely. We just, like you said, I think a point you made, you can't ever forget what it was like to be a teacher in the classroom. Oh, yes. So, right, so the two, two are through. Yeah. So now that you know me, are you sure you still want to do this thing? Oh, I, <laughs> I need to ask that question to you because one yeah. thing I am known for is being very unfiltered, but I'm very unfiltered at the same time. I get it. Listen, I, I love honesty. Um, I like being able to have a relationship with, with somebody that's just going to be real blunt, put it on the table. Don't hold back. Um, I think things would be way better if people just said how they feel. Yes, and I've mastered the skill of silencing a meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, my man. So I gave you a little teaser to the the folks out there listening. Um, Your your, um, area of field or, or expertise was not education right off the bat. You were a mechanical engineer or we're going chemical 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 engineering okay so i gotta know people confuse those two all the time listen i don't know the difference i know it has something to do with being really smart and and i would imagine chemicals have to do with chemicals mechanical has to do with building things but i really don't know and it's funny that you say that because when you look inside the textbooks of both subjects the formulas are the same they just call the variables different variables, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so the formulas are the same. You have to use differential equations. You have to use a lot of the same concepts, but the speciality is slightly different. Okay. It's kind of like speaking Spanish and Portuguese in South America. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right, then, then I got to know, how did you, how did you move from, from engineering into education? So for me, I did. So when I talked about my childhood, that really had a big effect on me. And then two, I can relate that I was more anti-authority because when people try to give me advice and stuff like that, I didn't listen. It's not that I couldn't listen. I didn't listen because I felt like I knew better. So of course you can only live in the world being like that for so long sure before everything starts to crumble sure and guess what everything started to crumble so i went through my times of trouble as if i was in russia somewhere right you know so within that times of trouble i needed a break you know i needed a break so i decided hey 
let me go ahead and start teaching. And I was teaching in Florida. I was teaching in Florida. And it's funny when I was teaching in Florida, I came in wanting to be very authoritarian, you know? And it didn't work out well. <laughs> I didn't. How long did it take I, you to figure that like out? My, I didn't like what I was doing. It was like, okay, I, I'm here. I feel stuck. I was miserable. But then things just weren't wasn't working out in Florida personally. So my sister was like, why won't you come and move to Maryland and see and try your luck here? So that's exactly what I did. I moved to Maryland and I was like, hey, I'm going to try to revive my scientist career since I tried out teaching in Florida and it worked. And when I was trying to revive my science career, I wasn't getting the pull that I hoped that I was going to get because I'm like, dang it, I got all these credentials, all these accolades, and I'm going to be snatched up. But it didn't work that way. So I ended up teaching the next school year after I came to Maryland at my current school. And then even with that, I just learned so much in a short amount of time. Like when I started taking the certification classes, when I started taking the taking classes myself, it gave me a chance to understand more of what students go through when they sit down as a as a member of the class, you know, right. as someone who's being the learner. It made it easier for me to empathize and better understand the field where I enjoy it. And I will admit, even on this podcast where people hear it, <laughs> I'm not looking to be retired from being a teacher. Yeah. I'm looking at going back to school and getting my PhD because part of the downfall was me getting kicked out of my PhD program because people couldn't deal with my attitude. Like right. I'm over here with a 4.0, but that attitude was putrid. It wasn't, it didn't think it was putrid. Right. You so, know, huh? so are you saying the field of education and working with kids has totally changed your, I guess, changed you? Yeah, yeah it's, it changed my outlook. It was something that I needed. It was a break that I need because I intended to be in education for three years. And that was my intent. And I was going to get back. But then it didn't work out that way. Now I'm in education. Like I've been in the field substituting and teaching for about a total, almost seven years, right. you know? Right. Like I stay much longer than I thought I was going to stay. And I love it because of what it's doing to me and how it's helping me as a person. So when I go back to getting my PhD, I'm not going to have snappy attitudes and people call name calling and being very mean to people sure like when i go back to getting my pc i'm going to understand how to communicate and ask for resources from my teacher without getting from my professor without being upset and feeling that everything is a personal attack you know so these are it. the type of things that i will do when i go ahead and go for my pc again now, where I would go after that, I'm not totally sure. But I know at the end of the day, when I went to Ohio State, I said that I was going to get a PhD 
to become a professor. Sure. And guess what? It's like I'm still on that path because yeah, you I'm are. the same people. Yeah. Or the same age group that I'm going to end up teaching as a professor, anyways. Sure. I'm I'm ended up getting more practice, so I get to see how they develop and learn better ways to talk to them. Because nobody wants to be in a class with a professor that do not know how to talk to them. That's exactly right. And I know I was that way when I was an eighteen-year-old college student. When I get with my friends and we talk smack about the professor because we didn't like the way the professor taught. Sure. Sure. You know, well, I love, I love the fact, you know, I'm used to your, so your story is very different. The reason I mean, I say that is I'm very used to, and I think most people out there are listening, very used to people saying that, you know, they as a teacher changed lives of their students. What I'm hearing, Frederick, is that by teaching your students have changed you. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I'm hearing they help me become more of a better adult, Excellent. you know, that's, that's awesome. That's a powerful testimony. Um, uh, so along those veins, you know, you've been in this whole ed education field now for seven years. Um, you know, obviously you're, you are a very analytical guy. Um, you are probably used to thinking about systems and, um, I just got done reading a, uh, a couple books on taking a systems approach at changing things. And so I would think that as you're teaching, you're, you know, you're looking at this whole ed system and you're seeing some things that need some fixing. So my question for you tonight to lead us into this idea is what is the problem that you kind of want to alleviate for your students? What is the problem in ed? There's not enough honesty. Sure. And that's the problem that I would love to not only alleviate for the students, but for the parents. Sure. There is not enough honesty within our field. We're too focused on being double quote professional yeah. to the point where we forget that we can still be honest and yeah. still be professional. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can still be honest with each other and be professional because sometimes I sit in these meetings and I sit in these conferences and I got a good poker face, but if you can see what's going on inside my mind, I'm, I'm like gasping for air. I'm like shocked, you yeah. know? It's like I'm clutching my pearls because it's like, whoa. And I'm like, I don't wear pearls, but I don't know what I'm clutching, but it's clutching something. Yeah, no, I get it. Because it's like, you will hear other people talking, you like, whoa, that's inaccurate. You know, <laughs> like that's not the truth. And, and this is not going to help who we're trying to help. And that's another thing to solve, to address the problem. Let's have a heart to help people. Yeah. yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, we have the knowledge, skills and ability that can help not only a parent, but not only a, a student, but also that student's parent. Amen. To get farther. All the way. Yes. Because a lot of our parents cannot even read or do math on the level that the students are supposed to learn it in no way. Yeah, they do the best they can too. And imagine if we, and I had a story come from my student this past year doing virtual learning. And one of my students came up to me like, Mr. Crawford, 
I'm helping not only like when I get home, I help my little sister and my mama with their math work because of you. And I'm like, wow. That's a God and, wink. Yes. And then even earlier in the year, one of my students, he transferred to another school in the district and he emailed me. He was like, hey, Mr. Crawford, I transferred to this other school and I'm doing the work in a class. And it's too easy for me because <laughs> of the way you taught me. That's awesome, man. That's another you save that email. I've got a I've got a file on my computer that's called uh, rainy days. And if if I'm coming into my office and I'm just not feeling it, I'll read a couple of those emails and. I'm ready to go. So save them, man. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because when I go into the school building, I see the school building as my stage and I'm always ready to perform. That's good. You know, like I look at each class as a concert. Absolutely. You know, like I look at the whole day as a concert. They like I'm on stage performing for six hours on a tour. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and some of the best teachers I've ever saw, that's how they looked at it. You're right. You're exactly right. You know. So, okay, so Frederick, now that we know uh, kind of what you, you know, you, that you're talking about with the problem, what is your idea of how we're going to fix that? So, just being very honest, and it's funny because I've been working on that this year. Okay. Like, Part of it is first step of my honesty is I'm going to invoke my rights as a teacher and use academic freedom. So that means I'm going to create my syllabus and make sure that it's like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let parents know flat out every assignment I give by administrative procedures, students can get a redo, even if it be a test. Not only that, I'm going to let them know, hey, I'm going to give around 75 to 200 problems a week. The more you do, the better off you're going to be because you're going to have the practice and you're going to have the connection. And this part is very important because a test is nothing but a mere consequence of what you know. That's right. And that's why I don't have much of a problem when it comes to testing. The only thing I hate about it is that it does kind of waste time. So that's my biggest problem with it. But if you practice and you decided to make that intimate connection with what what the standard is, you're in great shape. So when I test you, you'll be good. I'll give you a test for 35 minutes and you'll be done in like 15. Right. With the work shown. Right. So that's another thing and then two like for me i can't make nobody be honest with me so whenever i talk to my colleagues and that's administration included i'm going to be very honest with them about my practices i'm going to be very transparent and let them know that hey you know i am a professional in the final decision is mine, especially when I'm not crossing the boundaries of the state and crossing the boundaries of the school culture. You know, so it just, I have to start with being honest and then with communication with parents. 
I will be very steadfast because just as I will have parents who like, oh my God, your teacher is so amazing. I'm so glad. Da, 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 da. I have parents who like, you need to make the course easier. Oh yeah. And for those parents, I'm just following what the state want me to teach. If you want the course to be easier, it's not going to happen because when you go to the state, the state is not going to budge. Yep. And you're going to have to try to take that to Washington and the Supreme Court is not going to hear it. <laughs> I love what you're saying, Frederick. Um, what I'm hearing is that your big idea is just to be more honest. And I think it's, oh, yeah, it's a simple concept. I mean, it's, it's very simple. Like, look, just be honest. But it's got huge ramifications. And I like what you're saying, um, you know, with your administrators and with, with your staff, just be honest. If we're all trying to move forward in the same boat, there's no time to hee-haw around whatever you're trying to say. Just be honest. Let's get it on the table. We are a family. We can work through this. And, and you know, but then I also like what you're saying to the family. Um, I think families appreciate when you're honest, you know, don't, don't, don't treat them like they, they're not going to know, or they, they shouldn't know the truth. Just level it out there for them. And I like what yeah. you're saying. Because at the end of the day, when I have that student in a classroom, I'm responsible for that student, you know? I'm responsible for that student's education. Now, if that student decide, hey, when I come to the class, I'm going to do this the whole class. Oh, yeah. He's looking at his phone if you can't see it. Yes. I'm not going to come up to you and say, put your phone away. When you get into middle school, if you don't understand that if you're going to do this the whole time, texting and whatnot, looking on Instagram, because I literally had girls talk about some <laughs> Take it selfies. Like, yes, in math class, math class swag, I'm like this. You're, going, you're getting an E. I don't need to sit over here and put your grade on the loudspeaker so you can walk around feeling that, hey, I'm doing this to disgrace you. This isn't about disgracing you. This is about if I test you, you're going to sit there. You're going to look discouraged when you didn't have to. Right. And then you can have and that conversation know. with them saying, look, you're struggling because, you know, yesterday you and your friends were taking selfies during the middle of my math class yeah and i'm like this i'm not going to cause that extra pressure on administration to try to deal with a student in my class especially when the student is doing nothing and then too even for that i'm going to pull on my syllabus on testing day it's best to keep that cell phone in your locker or it's best to keep your that cell phone off when you come in my classroom because if you attend to your phone ringing like, I'm not taking your phone. I'm flunking you for right. that test. Right. And it's tough to be so hard. But at the end of the day, when you take the SATs, when you take the ACTs, when you take real high state tests that could really be about your future, like, let's say if I take the praxis, you take the praxis in Kentucky, right? We do. Let's say if I take the praxis in Kentucky, and I'm over here and my cell phone ringing. First, they're going to be like, how did you get it past? That's here? right. And second of all, they're going to kick you out and not give you back your money. 
That's right. And practice is not cheap. Oh, yeah. That's why I made sure I passed it the first time. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Like, that's too much money. So I've got to, I've got to tell you, Frederick, um, my last episode, or actually it'd be two episodes again. I, uh, ago, I spoke with my good friend, Martin Silverman, and he's a principal down in San Antonio, Texas. And his big idea was that maybe sometimes educators in our attempt to serve our kids, sometimes we actually, um, make learned helplessness worse. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing is, is kind of that same thing that you're saying here. Um, we need to be honest with our kids. Now, obviously, you're saying we need to do it in a loving manner, you know, like yes. Yes. tough love to the nth degree. But we still need to be honest and not sugarcoat it. There's a way to do it with love, I think is what yeah, you're saying. You don't have to be rude and nasty to people. And I agree with Principal Silverman. I agree because at the end of the day, we're trying to help them. And what we do is like we're leading them out into the pasture to be lost. Yeah. Like, it's real. I see kids in a seventh grade in an honors class don't know how to subtract. Yep. Yep. And it's which, like... Which is crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Like... It's like the alarm has been rang, you know. Somebody just rung the alarm. Like it is, is. I'm like whoa, and it's like you're in seventh grade, don't know how to subtract, and this concept of giving middle schoolers free time. Honestly, you got sixty minutes to try to pick up these concepts. You don't have time for free time, you know. You don't have time for free time. And the fact that when I talk to parents and it's wild and crazy to me that they don't expect their children to study at home. Yeah. yeah. They don't. Yeah. 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 So what, you, what you're saying is that it's high time for the ed system to just be more honest, period. To yeah. families, to students, to each other. Um no, I could get behind that. Yes, yeah, like there's a difference between saying, hey, your child needs time off that game because that game is not serving him no purpose, him or her no purpose. There's a difference between that and like how they did in Forrest Gump, how the principal did in Forrest Gump, talk about some, the average is here. Sure, and your sure. son is here. Sure, sure. Like there's a difference between saying hey this is what your child need because i was that child whose average was here below the average at first yeah like it wasn't made for me to be to study no chemical engineering like i had to fight and toil which led to a lot of bitterness sure. because i didn't have much help sure you did it on you your know, own i didn't have much help from the people who i was raised to know that love Sure. That was just my reality, but I am appreciative of the help that I had. Sure. Because I did, I'm at a point of my life where I understand I did not get here alone. But I was that student who was below here. But what I started doing when I got into middle school, I knew I was below the average. So 
even though I was below the average and people believed in me and got me placed into advanced classes, I was like, I'm not going to take this for granted. I'm going to go home. If I got to study and wrestle with these math problems for two hours, if I have to throw the book and look crazy for two hours a night, I was going to do that. I was going to do that because that's what it took to learn. So was anybody ever honest to you and said, told you that's what you needed to do? No. You know what? No, that was something I figured out because I was like this. I wanted to make A's in my class. I wanted to make good grades. Because it's like, I just wanted to be the best at it. Like I was interested in the subject. I was interested in math. I was interested in learning and knowing things. So I was like, let me go ahead and let me try to take this to this next level. So in order to take it to the next level, I studied more, you know, I paid more attention. And it felt good to go in class the next day. And when the teacher asked a question to be like, (laughs) you know, it felt, it felt good to be that student. Listen, man, I love the enthusiasm. I love our talk about honesty tonight. Um, I I definitely think it's definitely needed. Um, And so if anybody is out there is listening and you want to connect with my friend, uh, Mr. Frederick, Frederick, let them know how we could get a hold of you. Definitely my Twitter at Croft Teaches. That will be a great way to connect to me because I do respond to my direct messages. And also you can go ahead and see my thoughts and more of my point of views when it comes to education. Absolutely. Yeah. Please uh, message Frederick. He has got a wealth of knowledge that he needs to imbue or in. in bark or whatever I'm trying to say um, that he needs to get out into the world. Um, so please connect with my friend. Um, Frederick, it has been a, a lot of fun tonight. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. No, this was definitely fun. I'm glad that I saw that you were looking for people to do a podcast because I've always wanted to do a podcast and just put my name out there, put my story out there and whatnot because this is what I went through. There are a lot of things that I survived and there now I'm at the point where I'm past the survival stage and is where I'm getting ready to thrive. I'm getting ready to grow and really just do a lot of great things and live my potential and do well, you know? Yeah. Do yeah, well. I feel like I'm in the right place. And I'm connecting with my passion of mathematics. Like I see a curve vision versus me being that student who just chose a major because he knew he could do it. Sure. Sure. Well, man, thank you very much for your honesty tonight. Um, I definitely can tell you're probably very honest with your students and I, and I, and I would imagine they thrive off of that so keep doing what you're doing you're obviously uh changing some lives so i appreciate you man oh yeah definitely definitely and this and you cannot be honest without respect 
That's right. You know, like when you're honest and you're disrespectful, you're just being plain mean. That's right. And that doesn't have any space within the classroom. No, it doesn't. Or life. Exactly. Because yeah. people people are only going to tolerate it for so long. Yep. Kids, adults, everybody. You're right. Got to love them yeah. first. Got to connect first. And then you can get to the tough stuff. Yes. That's right. All right. So to my listeners out there in uh, Edgesphere, thank you once again uh, for listening to the Big Ed Idea podcast. I'm going to leave you with a quote like I like to do. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve. That's the fear of failure. And so to my friends out there, um, take a page from Frederick. Be honest. Be more honest with others, with yourself, with your friends, with your family. Um, just be real. That's what we need. A lot more real. And so for next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.